Blog Talk Radio. One of these days, one of these days, we're going to get that intro down. <clears throat> now I can clear my throat. I don't <laughs> want to mess up your intro. I don't <laughs> want to clear my throat. One of these already. days, we're going to get that intro down. We're going to have that drop that we keep talking about from uh, Tim Floyd, and it's all going to be gravy. But what's up, Minor Nation? I'm Anthony Salone, live with Alex Nicholas. We're back with another episode of the Rush Podcast, and we got a big show planned for you. A lot went down this past weekend, UTEP football, UTEP basketball. Today, some big news hit. Um, with the loss of Garrett Simpson. He left the program, the football program, and we'll be talking all that. We'll be talking with uh, – we'll be talking a little bit of UTEP hockey. How about hockey. that? Hockey. <laughs> How about that? We'll be talking uh, UTEP hockey with Tom Herman, the head coach of the UTEP hockey team. In case you all don't know, there is a Division II UTEP hockey team. Now, I'm not exactly sure what level they play. I know it's Division II. I'm not sure the association, though. Um, but they're doing pretty well, and it's it's considered a club team. So I'm not I'm not sure in all the specifics, but we'll get in touch with the coach and we'll see what he what he has to say about it, and maybe we can start covering them a little more, man. I'm gonna ask him about that flying vehicle. Oh, here we I'm go. I'm a big man. mighty duck. Here we go. So I, I gotta find out <laughs> if, they, if they run that. please don't. <laughs> Either way, like you said, let's start off right at the top. I mean, kind of big news that came today. Almost like almost. I mean, seeing people's takes on Twitter, it seems like it's almost like a two months or a year late of this news with Garrett Simpson leaving. And, um, you know, can't say we're surprised. I mean, it's, it's kind of, like you said, just a matter of time, really. Um, just, uh, you know, it, it's this season has had so many peaks and valleys, man. I mean, it's it's just been almost just ridiculous. I mean, talking about the, the start with the injuries and then, you know, the team comes back on the bye week, a strong way to, you know, bounce back against FAU with the win. You know, 50-50 hit and miss of of a performance at at Southern Miss, and then you get a, a big win against Rice, and then last week, I mean, you know, it's kind of going back to square one again, and then, you know, you lose a guy like Garrett Simpson, and now, you know, on top of Garrett Simpson, but your whole depth chart is just in shambles, and now, but particularly in your skill guys in your backfield, your whole entire backfield is questionable or out for this week, and then to throw this on top, it just has not been a Great year three for Sean Cougar, which there was a lot of high expectations. I mean, fans on message board were thinking it could be a 10-win season, could be an 8-win season, could be a team that could compete and be a sleeper out of the West. It's been the total opposite. But, I mean, um, you know, at first, you know, like I told Anthony, when Brett Brunkus broke the news on Monday that Ryan Metz was going to be the starter, you know, I'm, I'm a big Ryan Metz guy. I'm an Andres guy. You know, followed the kids since the sophomore year of high school. So I have that bias. I ain't going to lie. But it, once that kind of high went over, you're thinking, damn, you know, why didn't Garrett get a shot at least? You know, this is a kid that's been here for four years, three years uh, junior. You know, everything that you could want, 6'7", 250, has a decent arm. Say what you want about, you know, his mental struggles or whatever, but I just really got on by Cougar by talking about how close this quarterback competition was in the fall. The fact that he's played in every game this year except that quarterback. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. And, and, you know, we probably have gotten over the course of the season probably about a handful of 50 to 75 questions from fans on Twitter, on the on Minor Rush. I mean, people just coming up to us at games. What's going on with, with Garrett Simpson? 
We don't know, yeah. but now he's gone, and I will never know what could have been. But, I mean, it's it's just tough to see the way that he went out without an opportunity to prove himself here at UTEP. It's kind of, I feel, put, putting myself in his shoes, I almost feel like it's four years of waste. Now, he's going to get an education. Uh, Asher Wildman tweeted out that he will finish out next semester at UTEP. So it's not a full waste. But you come here to play Division One football, and you're 6'6", six, 6'5", six, 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 and you're in this – you're recruited by a quarterback guru and Mike Price. I don't know if he was promised to play or whatever, but you just had that feeling that this kid would see the field sooner than later. And now we'll never get to see him. You know, and I hope he can go on to a smaller school. I can hope maybe, you know, a, a smaller FBS program can pick him up. But, you know, it's just a tough situation. I really feel for Garrett. And, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, I'm it's not, just weird. It's just I'm, weird I'm the way that it I'm going to try and paint this picture of Garrett being – you know, the best quarterback out there or even the best student or, or, or teammate. I honestly don't know. Right, exactly. For all we know, there were issues inside the locker room with him and he was causing trouble. But honestly, from everything we've heard, that's not the case at all. From everything we've heard, he was a good student. Grades were not an issue. Attitude was not an issue. So what was it? You know, like, and, and the only thing that I can that I can even potentially think of is that, you know, and this was a comment made by – I won't even I won't even go there. We don't need to get into this, but basically that that Coogler was afraid to see guys that are not his own recruits showing up his recruits, and it makes a lot of sense because you know Garrett Simpson, like from Coogler's own mouth, was basically the leader coming in coming into to, to the fall. I mean they said it was neck and neck, and when you look at a neck and neck you know competition, two guys that are going at it and, and are are virtually equal as far as production. And we right? even talked about a two-quarterback system yeah, yeah, exactly. before the season started. And, and, and so you can, you can consider that, right? So you have two guys, all by all means, are equal as far as how they play on the football field. And, and they charted and every got, pass. And you've got one guy who has the prototypical Division One, and not even Division One, just, just, I mean, high-level football <laughs> build compared to another guy who's 5'8", whatever, 5'9", 170 pounds soaking wet. It's it just like you would think just that in of itself would would be enough to, to give him that edge. Now, of course, Garrett had the, the ankle injury in, in late preseason, and that, that's what held him out early on. But when you start seeing the season progress and you see how how much they struggled early on, especially right after losing Aaron Jones, you know, you would think you would think that he would have at least an opportunity, just an opportunity, just a chance to go out there and prove what he's got. That's it. You saw Ryan Metz, and look, I'm not—I I don't mind Ryan Metz playing the quarterback position at UTEP. It has nothing to do with Ryan Metz. Exactly. It has to do with a kid in Garrett Simpson who, who for all intents and purposes, has done every single thing that you have asked of him, has gone out there and has sat at number two, number three, number four on the depth chart wherever you put him, has been your little, you know, field goal holder, and not said a word as far as we can tell from the outside looking in, and nothing that Kugler has said to, to indicate that he did anything wrong to put him in the doghouse, and yet every single opportunity that you had to, to, to give him his chance to prove what he's got, you overlooked him. And that's what that's what's just it's a complete injustice. And and look again, if if maybe Simpson's not even a good quarterback, you know, let's just let, let let's just say he's not a good quarterback. How can you not? How can you get any worse? First of all, how can you not at least try to do something different? Three passes you know? in his career. 
He doesn't have a it, it, It's crazy. It's crazy. No matter what you saw in practice, right? You've seen what Ryan Metz can offer. You've seen what Kavika Johnson can offer. You've seen what Mac Leftwich can offer. And at times, each of those has shown promise. Mm-hmm. But nothing, nothing to show that they are the quarterback of the future, that they can, you know, maintain a certain level of production for an extended period of time. So why not in this season, especially look back three, four, five weeks when you're sitting at two and four, two and five, whatever we were at at the time, you know, why wouldn't you give a guy a shot and show, hey, let's see, maybe, you know, what we're doing right working let's just give this guy an opportunity maybe things get turned around I, I just I don't understand it and and frankly I'm surprised it took Garrett Simpson this long to leave the program because if I was dealing with what Kubler's put him through I would have left a long time ago I can't disagree with that it, some comments off the off, off the comment thread from the store that we posted this afternoon pretty much the same deal from gold miners I don't blame the kid one bit he says uh, he got on Cougar's backside in a bad way. None of us know. He's a pocket passer, and Cougar's offense does not support that type of quarterback. He would have been fantastic in the Mike Price's offense. So I agree on the Mike Price thing, and, and you know, he hit it right on the head with that. Uh, Briggs Minor uh, comments, QB recruit. I haven't seen if the staff is recruiting in QB for 16. It seems like getting a couple on campus could be helpful. And now now you almost forced your hand where you might have to. And I pose a question to Anthony, where do you go? Do you go Juco? Um, you know, you're going to need somebody. You know, it's not saying that, like we said, it's not a diss on, on, on Ryan Metz or Kavika or any of these other kids. But, you know, you just haven't seen I think- enough out of them. And, and it's, 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 you know, it's kind of a win-win situation in a sense for Metz where, he, you know, he gets the last two games to, to give himself an edge or whatever you want to call it heading into the spring. But at the same time, like you mentioned, it's just an injustice for a guy that's, that's really worked hard, you know, and, and, and really, you know, like you said, you don't know if he's that great quarterback, but I thought that he put enough work to at least get an opportunity, a sniff, something, you know, it just, it just didn't happen for him. And, you know, good luck to, to Garrett in the future. What, but, you what's know. sad about this entire situation is, is beyond just Garrett Simpson, because you feel bad for the kid, right? I mean, he put four years of his life into this program. And now, you know, you come out of high school – I don't know if he had a future beyond college. You know, you never know either way. But, you know, you, you put life in the hands of coaches, basically, right? As, as, a, as a kid, you're recruited. They come into your house. They promise you the world. And and so you, you, you decide to say, I'm sure, I don't even know off the top of my head, but, but Simpson had to have other offers. You know, he was a Dave Campbell's top 300 player coming out of Four, high school. Senior. Great size. So he had to have other offers. But, you know, you, you get promised the world. And, and you put your trust and your faith in these coaches. And obviously, it's not the same coach that recruited him. But, you know, something had to have been said by Kugler to give him, you know, it, it, the thought that he would have an opportunity to play quarterback. And, and, and it just – it's sad for him. But beyond that, it's sad for the program because we see a coach. And honestly, man, like I, I told you, and I'll say it now, I'm done with Kugler. I honestly am done with Kugler. And, and the, and it's not so much that I don't have any faith that he can win games or can't win games. Uh, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is that being a college football coach goes way beyond just winning football games. Now, granted, winning football games is going to get is going to quiet a lot of people and it's going to sweep a lot under the rugs. But there's a reason why there was only fifteen thousand people at this game last time. There's there's a reason why a lot of your boosters and supporters are pissed off with the football program and Bob Saul right now. There's a reason why everywhere you look, you see fans griping, complaining. And that's because Sean Kugler has, has basically just told everybody, I'm going to do whatever I want, and it doesn't matter if it works or not. 
I'm going to continue down that path. And that's what we've seen. So going back and taking a step back and talking about, well, where do we go from here? The truth of the matter is where we go from here is to Mac Leftwich. That, that's, that's the bottom line truth. When we look forward at this program, I can, I mean, it's hard to put a percentage on it, but I'm going to tell you there's probably a 90% chance or better that Mac Leftwich is going to be the starting quarterback next year. If, if he's healthy. If, I mean, if he's healthy, yeah. If, now you got to worry about the kid's concussion. That's the second major concussion. So, and, but you're, and, you're and also so really, you know, it just, it, it, it doesn't even really matter who they go out and recruit because it's clear that Kugler is, is going to stick to what he thinks is best for the program, regardless of what anybody else thinks and regardless, regardless of whether or not he's right. And, and that, to me, is what's, what's worst about this entire situation is that we've got our program in the hands of somebody who apparently could care less whether or not he's doing the right thing. It's all about what he thinks is best. You know, it's, it's, you, you're starting to see that pattern. You know, you really are over the past couple of years. You saw it when he came in and cleaned house. You know, you're seeing it with the offense that he runs. You're seeing it with the defense that he runs. And, I mean, you, it's hard, it's hard to it's hard to follow up that hot take you spot you just spit out and I, and I agree man I mean it's just you know it, it won't change you know it won't he's gonna get another year he'll probably get oh, yeah, a year no after doubt that about it. No you doubt know about so it's it, and like you said it's it's kind of at that point where you know winning will just have to sweep all that under the rug because yeah. at that point maybe he'll have his depth to do what he needs to do what he wants to do on offense what he wants to do on defense and everybody will sing his praises but you cannot forget. You know, it's it's like the old saying with these females nowadays. If you can't see me when I'm pretty, how are you gonna handle me when I'm pretty, when I'm great? That I really think that's kind of the same thing. Where you gotta look at this now and 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 keep this in the back of your mind. You know, because next year they have an opportunity to be pretty damn good with Aaron Jones coming back. Well, you know, they're gonna have a lot of returning guys coming back next year. But let's just not forget about this this season, or not even this season, but year one. You know, and those are prime examples, but... This is beyond X's and O's, though, man. Yeah. It's beyond X's and O's. It's beyond play calling. You know, before I gave Cougar the benefit of the doubt, I, I, I said, you know, I've talked about the, the coordinators, uh, how they need to go. And, and even before today, I was still fine with Cougar and the way he was running things. But seeing the way Garrett Simpson was treated, man, if there is something that that kid did, then the fans and, and, and Garrett Simpson, I think, deserves to know what he did. Because... I don't even need to hide it, bro. We spoke with the kid's father, and, and, and he doesn't even know, like, really what's going on. And he feels a great injustice. So if that family doesn't even realize what is going on with the program, you know, with, with why Cougar's making these decisions, there's something really wrong about how he's running his ship. I mean, that's just, that's just the, the bottom line. There's no reason... You know, if, if there is a reason for the kid not to, to, to play, then that should be out there or at least spoken to them. You don't have to tell us. You don't have to tell the fans, but they should at least know that reason. And it's clear that they don't. And, and off the off uh, Twitter, uh, Josh Puga, one of the one of the best UTEP follows out there for Twitter, uh, comes out as that. Uh, we're going to clarify what we're actually done with Cougar. Dang, shit's getting real good start to the show. Who would you want here? What Anthony was saying, and he said it before, you know, it's, it's not the fact that we're calling for Cougar's head. Really, I think what we're kind of doing is we're sort of getting those nuts and bolts and that screwdriver ready to, to start wheeling on a hot seat more than anything. Um, you know, it's not the fact that we're done with Cougar and want him out. It's just we're done with buying into the Cougar vision that he's selling because it just doesn't – it's not making sense, not from an X and O standpoint, but from – you know, oh yeah, but but the main thing is is what we were and what we harped on last year of the 
the good recruiting practices, the family atmosphere. You don't do that to your family member. Yeah. You know, because my mom isn't going to lend me 20 bucks if I asked her 10 years ago, I'm not going to not talk to her for a week. Just That's a weak ex example. But, you know, it, it's just really one of those things where, you know, we've heard so much about how well Cougar has done. Um, you know, and, and, and it's just, there, there's, there's certain things that just don't seem right with that. Yes. You know, a lot of situations going to Trent Trammell, uh, you know, the, 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 the BYU transfer, uh, Sloan Spiller, you know, the, the big time fullback out of Katie, who I thought was going to be one of the better running backs, fullbacks that we're going to have behind Darren LaFosta for the next couple of years. All of a sudden he's gone, you know, the MJ McFarland deal, maybe out of his control to a point. And you, I hate to even bring this up, but even the David Ham situation, you know, that may be a total opposite, but there's just little things here and there that just, you know, questions need to be kind of bit, get brought up when stuff like this happens. So it's not the fact that we're straight up done with Cougar and want him out and we're going to start, you know, getting the pitchforks out, but it's just, you know, getting those screwdriver, getting that screwdriver, getting the those bolts ready is, for a hot The bottom line is what he is doing right now is not working on the field. And when you do things like what has happened with Garrett Simpson, it makes things even worse. And and I'm not saying it's right if you're winning games or losing games, but it's just it, it's not working right now. Yeah. And and his refusal to change the way he does things is what makes it even worse. Because let's start talking a little football right now, actual football on the field. You come off a win last week at home against Rice, you get off the schneid with Rice where a team that has owned you for the last five, six years, Thank whatever you, it is, not even close. you know, and, and you finally get over that hump. And all of a sudden, you took a team that was, I mean, people had already written them off. The fans show it by not showing up to the game. You know, you see the griping all over social media and, and all the outlets that cover UTEP sports. But all of a sudden, you go from a 2-5 and five team that is completely out of it to a 4-5 and five team has a damn that good has a shot. damn good chance to make a bowl game with a game against Old Dominion, granted on the road, and you've never won in the Eastern Time Zone, but a game against Old Dominion, very winnable, and then North Texas, which is even more winnable. And what do we see? We see that same old taper it down, cut back, you know, plain old vanilla, run on first down, run on second down. It's it just like what? Like it's and I don't mean to to, to make light of a of a disease, but this team is bipolar, man. The coaching staff is just ridiculous with their play calling. And it, it, I don't I, – I, you one game, you see them open it up. You see them take shots. You see them do the things that they promised that they would do to, to make this team better because they know what needs to be done. To, you know, they know what changes need to be made. And you see that one week, and you see it work. You see the production. You see it translate into a, into a win. And the very next week, they take two steps back. I, I, I don't understand it. Another thing. And we talked about this right before we came on. Reddix. We talked about this on last week's podcast, how Reddix, with the loss of, of, of L.A. Dow, should have been stepping up and getting more carries because he looked a little explosive in that game against Rice. He looks, he showed some flashes like he could make some plays. And, and all of a sudden, where was he the entire first and, and then he does it in garbage time against Old Dominion when you're already down two scores and the game's over. It just, you know, it doesn't, my biggest question of this past game, what the fuck was that second half? game plan all about. And I asked Cougar about that because you figure, you, you know, you, you give up a big touchdown before the half. You're up 15-10. You give up that big touchdown to the half. That could have been, you know, your, yourself laying in the casket. We've seen that happen with this team going back to that Southern Miss game. But you don't give yourself a chance because, 
You come out in the third half and you start off with three. The third half? <laughs> I'm on the roll with the threes because the, th- the magic number in this damn game against Old Mini was threes. Three straight three and outs. Your first six drives, three times three, 45 yards. And you're running the ball. You're doing the same offense that two runs in a cloud of dust. And now you're averaging five, 5.6 yards in your third down distance. We all know UTEP needs to be in third down and four or less, or it's not going to happen. That's the same thing they did against Rice, same thing they did against FAU, and look what happened. But you take two steps back. Defensively, I think the defense played very well for themselves. Look at these third down. I mean, when I look at UTEP statistical final, whatever stats you want to look at in the Cougar era, I look at third down defense. And when usually UTEP is, is holding a team to four out of 14 on four down, 130%, that's usually a good sign. That offensive game plan gave the defense no chance once again for maybe the fourth or fifth time in the past couple of seasons. It, all of them ended up being losses. And it's just, it really just bogs my mind. And when I ask Cougar about the, the most frustrating thing, this can even go back to our conversation a couple of minutes ago about, you know, this, about the issues that we have with Cougar is I didn't want to know. I know this team is beat up. I know that. I mean, damn, I cover this damn team every minute of the day. I think I have a pretty good gauge on, on who's in and who's out. I wanted to know why you went away from – why didn't you give yourself an opportunity to, to go downfield, to open that up? And I got the same response that we've been getting week in Coach and talk. week out, Coach speak. You know, I don't want a whole diagram of why you didn't, but there has to be a reason why you didn't try to go downfield. Was good? want to turn the football over I can respect that type of answer we wanted to take care of the ball we were down to score you know we just felt running the ball was a great was the best one I can live with that that may not be the what I want to hear as a fan you know but at the same time it's saying okay that's your game plan we don't know so we're going to sit here we're going to throw different angles out of what's going on vanilla offense three yards in a cloud of dust and punt I mean we have one of the best punters in the league why because our offense is so anemic we're getting these third and longs this guy has Alan Luna has to pin people. His job is almost, okay, you know, we just went three and out. We're down a score. I got to do my job. And that's what we're seeing. Our punters are best offensive players, basically what I'm trying to say. And it's just, it's, it's really, you, you've mentioned a guy like Warren Reddick, a guy like Tyler Batson, who's had a tremendous season. You know, you can go out, Hayden Plink, got, you know, man, so wish that kid can get healthy. But that's another – you got three legit players. Atre Golden, you could throw in as a fourth. He's injured and struggling. That's not a good, you know, thing for a guy like Atre. But still, the thing is, you have the athletes on offense. And I feel like a broken record because we feel like we've done this on the podcast before, talking about that offensive scheme that just doesn't give the defense an opportunity. And this was a game, like I mentioned, yeah, they gave up over 400 yards. You know, they gave up 150 on the ground. But you look at those third-down numbers and you look at UTEP drives. The first six drives of the game, they had an opportunity to get that lead back. All they needed was a damn play-action pass downfield. It's not the fact of completing it. We've all seen what happens when you try it. Play It, it could lead to a pass interference. Those safeties creep back a little bit. I mean, Kugler said it himself with UTEP defense wrote, they promised two shots a quarter downfield. Didn't happen in the third quarter. We didn't throw a pass over two yards in the third quarter. That's unacceptable to me. That can't happen. If, if, if you want to win games on the road against a team like Old Dominion, who is a very young team that's going to be pretty decent in the next couple of years, but you have an opportunity there down a score to get yourself in the game with a big score when they weren't doing anything on offense. The game was a stalemate for about 13 minutes in the third quarter. 
jab that, grab that momentum, a halfback pass, a goddamn reverse, something to spark the offense. But instead, it's dive, it's dive, it's dive, it's dive. Then it's a two-yard out route on third down. I just do not get how this offense just week after week, a week after a great showing, can just come out and just lay an egg game plan-wise. And this is not on the kids. Let's make that clear. This isn't on the kids. We can go and look at the offensive line and saw that they struggled a little bit in the second half and point fingers there. But this falls on Patrick Higgins, falls on Sean Cooler for the lack of, of game planning that second yeah. half, that third quarter that really lost the game. More than just game planning, though. Well, first of all, I should say we may have a domestic violence call going on here because I love it. I love it. I love it. No, but you know what, man? It, more than just the game planning, because you know what? You, as, as a coach, you can say, you know what? We felt we had an advantage in the run game. We wanted to try and, you know, pound the rock, whatever it might be. Like you were talking about, it might not be the answer you want to hear, but, but at least give me a real answer. Yeah. And, and instead, what you get is coach speak. But more than that, what, what transpired in that game basically just m- more – than anything proves that Sean Kugler has no desire to do anything different than what he wants to do. He is so stubborn that he doesn't even make in-game adjustments. Look at, look at that kid, Pascal. He finished with 12 catches on the day, but he had 12 in the first three quarters. Why wouldn't you make an adjustment, double-team that kid, and make somebody else beat you? He was the only one that only was beating one. in the second half. We, we took Ray Lowry, what's, got what's hurt. So, what's so crazy to me, is is that kid? Was it Washington, the quarterback? Yeah, he was a receiver two weeks ago. Yep. He was a wide receiver two weeks ago. You have a quarterback that was playing a different position two weeks ago that is marching up and down the field, going to one guy, and you can't make a single adjustment to stop him. It, it's insane to me. I, it doesn't make any sense at all. And like you talked about them taking taking shots down deep, we saw it against Rice over and over. We saw it against five Southern times <laughs> in the first half. They took shots down the field. And you know what? I think they connected on one of the five. But it keeps the defense honest. It allows them – it makes them spread out. It, it doesn't allow them to crowd the box. It can open and, up and, your and two-yard out. It opens up your little two-yard outs in your run game. And I and it, how am I that has no – I mean, I played football early in life, you know, high school and whatever. But I, I don't have any college experience. I don't have any coaching experience. How can I see that? And a guy that's been in the NFL, a guy that – even Patrick Higgins, who has – Coach in the Big tw- in the Big Ten, how can you not see hit. that to make those kind of adjustments? I mean, you should already know that pregame, but the fact that you don't do it pregame in your game plan, how can you not, how can you not make that change at halftime? I, I, it, it makes no sense to me at all. Let me throw this out there, too. What, what, what throws an even bigger enigma question mark into this, this staff has been together. For three years. That's I think, should be the most frustrating point about this. And maybe that's, maybe that's an issue. Maybe, maybe there's, you know, there's so much, there's so much talk about, you know, when you talk about coaches and replacing them, uh, you know, there's, there's all this talk about, well, who are you going to get? Who are you going to bring? You can't afford to bring these mm-hmm. guys in. Maybe these coaches are just too damn comfortable. Maybe there's no real just, threat you know, of job security. Maybe they just feel like it doesn't matter what we do because we're going to be here as long as Kugler's here. And, and we're, and we're beat up this year. And we're beat and, up and then you've got year. the excuse of injuries, but you know, it, it just, on both sides of the ball, no adjustments at all. No adjustments. You had an opportunity to win that game, and we haven't even mentioned that. I mean, moronic two-point conversion that they went for in the third quarter was it third or second? It Might even have been second, second third quarter. quarter. That was shut down. It was second, second quarter. quarter. Second quarter. What are you doing going for two in the second quarter? It, 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 the only thing you can do is hurt yourself. 
If you don't make it, it, you're hurting yourself. And it turned out that in the end of the game, if they would have just kicked that extra point and kicked the extra point on the, on the next touchdown that they scored, it would have been an eight-point game with whatever time it was. You would have had to kick an onside, but you would have actually had an opportunity to win. Instead, you put yourself down nine, ten points, and now you're out of the game. And, and, you, and, but, you, and you, you, you kick the field goal there. You get the ball back in the second half. You score a touchdown, you're up 18-15 as well. So that three-point swing you're looking for, that three-point cushion, you're getting it either way. It's just, yeah, yeah man, I mean, let, let, let's move on. And, and I don't even know where we're going to move on. Because I mean, you look at this weekend in La Tech, and UTEP is just so you know, defeated you know right funny? now. You know what's just, funny? Not to cut you off, but this team is going to come out. They're going to take shots down the field. They're going to keep the game closed, and they're going to have an opportunity to win the game. That's what's going to happen this week. And I'm not excited. Yeah, the microphone, not even, you just broke the even, microphone. It's not even confidence in, in, in Kugler or his coaching staff. It, it's just – that's just the way they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? probably right. It's just, it's just the way they are. That's why the when mic broke. you should be doing right. this kind of stuff against a team like Old Dominion where you definitely will have an opportunity to win the game and put yourself at five, up to five and five, needing one win against a terrible North Texas team to make a bowl game. You don't do it. But you're going to come back against Louisiana Tech where you almost have no chance to win the game, and you're going to do it guaranteed. It yeah. makes no sense. You're right. I mean, Louisiana Tech does. It, that's the crazy thing about it is because Louisiana Tech's defense is struggling with that deep ball. Reading a couple articles and looking at some stats, you can say that. But I mean, this team is just stacked. I mean, I don't. I just. I, I'm glad you have. I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a, a from the heart take or whatever. It may be. But we do I, things that don't make sense. Exactly. We do things that that you know when you should be doing them, you don't do it. When you shouldn't be doing it, you do it. It just it doesn't. It's just the way it's going to be with this team. And, I, just, and, I mean, honestly, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. we got a real tough one coming up against Louisiana Tech. I, frankly, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't. You just you, – you, Get your points you, out. You, 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 you don't even know who's going to be a running back. You know who's going to be a quarterback. I mean, there, there's just so many injuries, so many things that just have happened in the past couple of weeks with this team. It's just, you know, like kind of – that ounce of, of sorriness, I, the small ounce I did feel for Cougar when he basically thought I said, I got to worry about putting a team on the field. And that's really – that's all I need to know to know what's going to happen on Saturday. You know, UTEP is just trying to find a damn healthy 11 out there where La Tech is rolling. I mean, there are three other losses this year, Western Kentucky, Kansas State in overtime, and, and Mississippi State. I mean, this is a team that's really going to come in here motivated. It's going to get ugly. I mean – you know, that's just my opinion of it. I really hope it doesn't. You know, I hope, like Anthony said, I hope that they can come out and throw the football and keep it close, but I just don't see that happening. Kenneth Dixon, best running back in Conference USA, hands down. I mean, it's just, it's, it's going to be a struggle. Just hope guys can stay healthy and that they can get enough guys to travel to North Texas to finish out the season. But, uh, it's, uh, man, let's move on to Conference USA. Power rankings, man. That's about all I got to say. <laughs> that's about it, man. You know, and, of course, look, Actually, I'm going to be out of town this weekend, so I won't be there for the last game, of the last home game of the year. But, of course, me being done with Kugler and all that kind of stuff that I talk about, it doesn't mean I'm done with UTEP. It doesn't mean I'm done with this team. And nobody should, frankly, because, honestly, you don't support – it's not – you know, when, you, when, you, when you're a fan, you're not a fan of a, of a coach. You're not a fan of a player. You're a fan of that team. You're a fan of that university, you know? So, so you shouldn't be out here like, oh, well, I don't like Kugler, so I'm not going to go to the games. Nah, I, I, honestly, I can't stand what Kugler's doing right now. I'll still be out there at the game supporting. It's just that's what fans do, and that's what we should do. But what's sad is, is you're going to look at this game, and the attendance is probably going to be even worse than it was last week against Ryan two weeks ago now. And, I, I mean, I don't know what, it, what it's going to take for Kugler to, like, just realize that, you know, 
what he's doing is is not working. It's not working. And you know, you got to get a tough game against Louisiana Tech this week. We'll see what Maybe happens. Maybe two straight then. losses to end this season, will. I don't know. Moving on, though, talking about but where the it's sunny in Western Kentucky, our number one team. <laughs> our number one team in the league, Western Kentucky, eight and two, six and zero, coming off a of bye this Saturday. They're at FIU. That game's on Fox College Sports. I mean, no surprise there. 194 uh, total points, 14 first place votes. Um, yeah, I mean, really, there's not much to say about Western Kentucky. I mean, coming off a of bye, I don't think they were going to go anywhere. And it's official. I saw Conference USA pretty much set up the today. They sent out a, a tweet or whatever that it's there's basically a Final Four already. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's Louisiana Tech. It's, it's Southern Miss in the West. And then it's Marshall and Western Kentucky in the East, our, two, our top four teams. Well, so it's really going to – it all comes down to next Friday for now, Western now, Kentucky. Actually, though, Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech, it is a Final Four. But, you know, both of those teams – could lose a game. That's true. You know, both of them are seven and three right now. Either one could lose a game this week, and it really doesn't mean anything because they played next week. And even even sitting a game back, if they win that last game, they tie them up. They play. They get the tiebreaker. So really, this game is almost meaningless for those two teams. Of course, they don't want to lose, but you know, those two games are meaningless. And I don't think they should. I don't think they will. No, of course not. <laughs> Louisiana Tech, you know, seven and three, five and one. They're off a bye. Also, they'll be here in El Paso. The game's also on Fox Sports Networks and. That's a 1:30 p.m. Mountain Time uh, kickoff. So good luck to good luck to the miners and I don't know, man. But how about my Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders? They, 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 Marshall, bro. Off oh, Marshall. <laughs> I can't believe they shut out. I mean, they, I they, thought that would be a defensive slugfest with them and FIU. They turned that one into a laugher. Look, man, this team is still gonna win Conference USA. I'm telling you. I said three or four weeks ago that they're going to knock off Western Kentucky in the last game of the season. They shouldn't have lost to Middle Tennessee. Um, but, no, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I don't blame anybody for putting them at number three, but I still think this team is probably should be right behind Western Kentucky, and I think they're going to beat them next week. They got, they're off this week after knocking off FIU 52-0. to zero. Southern Miss comes in at number four, seven and three, five and one. They just rolled. Could have put up a hundred on Rice. Right, 65 to 10. And this week, they got Old Dominion. I would expect more of the same from them. They're going to yep. put they're gonna put some points. That's at the in. crib, too, right there at home. Yeah. yeah. And then, coming in at number five is your Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Five and five, now four and two, picking up a couple wins. Man, honestly, that's the luckiest five and five team yeah. I've seen. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't see too much of that Florida Atlanta game, but I think they got lucky. Pretty sure they were down. It was seventeen to ten, wasn't it? They scored the last two yeah, touchdowns. I didn't, I didn't follow anything on that one, but yeah, I mean, they have one of the better freshman quarterbacks in the nation in uh, in, in uh, Stocksville, the coaches some, but you know, a four and two record in Conference USA. I mean, really, I hate to do this, but that's a healthy Aaron Jones, and that's where UTEP is. But that's all I'm gonna say about that. Keep going back to it, man. Old Dominion coming in at number six. They of course came off that win, thirty-one twenty-one over our Miners. And this week they're at Southern Miss, as we just talked about. They Big move up move three up. spots. Yeah. They Big deserve move to move. be there. They yeah, deserve yeah, to they be do. there. They're five and five. They're still alive for a bowl game. I don't even know who do they have next week. You know, they, uh, Southern Miss. I no, no, no. But I'm saying the next Ooh. game. If we game, if we talk about no Southern Miss as a loss, you know, I think I think it's pop open the thing. It's so, I think it's a winnable game where people were talking about. Uh, all, all of a sudden, that team's back in the bowl. Yeah, big, big time. And I think, I mean, I'm not saying that this is a game that they're going to come out there and should win or will compete with. I think Southern Miss blows them out the water. But a team like Old Dominion, I want to say they may, they may have a Florida school next. They're going to end the season. Yeah, it's yeah, actually it's at home. Against and, they'll, and I think they'll get that game. I, just, I mean, that may be a really close game. They're, Old Dominion's a program that's not, it's been proven to the conferences. They're not going to blow out anybody. They're going to play everybody tough. 
I, I really think that's going to be a bold team. Like I, I would confidently say, just like you said, Marshall's going to win the conference USA. Old Dominion gets to a ball. FIU's coming in at number seven. This is a team that is now uh, four and five. Is it four and five or five? And five? They're four and six. FIU is now five and six. Five and six. FIU is now five and six on the year, and they got Western Kentucky. So that was a team that a couple weeks ago, after that win against uh, Old Dominion, looked like they were, you know, in the driver's seat for a bowl game. But now that that's big loss at Florida and a couple weeks Florida ago. Atlantic. Or yeah, Atlantic, that, one Atlantic. Hurt. that one definitely hurt. Miners coming to number eight, and frankly, you know, you can put eight through thirteen yeah. in any. You can range anymore. them anywhere, and I can't be. I can't be had. Or I'm not even going to mention anything about UTEP anymore. Rice comes in at number nine. They're coming off that huge loss to to, to uh, Southern Miss, and man, I, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I guess you know you can't expect the team to have a good year every single year. They're going to have an off. They're young. Then, They're real young. But yeah, man, on defense, I didn't expect that sixty-five to ten against Southern Miss, but oh. they got UTSA this week, so they'll have an opportunity to bounce back against them. FAU comes in at number ten. They're now two and eight on the year. UTSA also at two and eight moves up from twelve to eleven after knocking off Charlotte. In My overtime. eyes still hurt from watching. That first half. <laughs> I don't Jesus. even know why you're a freaking. Cry. I don't even know why you're watching. Because I'm a CUSA oh, fan. Funny. North Texas number twelve and Charlotte number thirteen. Those teams round out the bottom of the league, and uh, then I just it's, I'm just glad basketball. We're on the basketball. I'm just I'm just so glad basketball season's here because. Oh, it's just been a struggle, man. You know, it, it's just it's the roller coaster of, of UTEP football, man. It's the roller coaster of UTEP football, and you just you know you're you're up, you're down. You think you have a chance, you don't. You're out, and all of a sudden you're back in the bowl picture, and then all of a sudden now we're here, we are where we are. You know, just, uh, real quick though, like I think I don't know if it was last week where Javi was talking about. Um, he had a really good take, you know, where it was the '90s, where it was just piss poor, and Mike Price brought that sort of mediocrity back. I I like that better than I think the Javi mentioned it and I was actually talking about that as well. Uh I, I think I I mentioned it uh, to George in H Town or one of the the frequent minor rushers over there. Um just you know before before Mike Price was here because a lot of people tend to like bash Mike Price now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're like oh it's easy well, to do well, it. Well Mike Price was only five and six or whatever it is, you know, you can't why what do you you know what was so great about him? Yeah, you're you're right. Like he only made it to three bowl games. I say only considering this is a team that made it to one bowl oh, game in the previous yeah. uh you know, two bowl games in the previous five decades. You know, so you know, you say only three, but he did more than any other coach has done yeah. in almost fifty years. But regardless of that, you know, before Mike Price was here, you had a constant throw, and, and I, what my point was throw out the one year, the one outlier year of the, of the 2000 conference championship, right? And you've got a team that constantly, constantly, constantly was two and ten, two yeah. and ten, two, two and nine, nine, nine and one and eleven. You know, when you used to only play eleven games, and and I mean, I could go on the no, field and, and play ball for yeah, an hour yeah, after the game. Dude. There were there were <laughs> no expectations. You know, it was Mike Price who gave us expectations. Who raised those expectations? Started putting forty thousand asses in yeah, the Yeah, and, and to say, you know, so before Mike Price, nobody, nobody could say we don't sell for mediocrity because everybody would welcome a six and six year. Everybody would love a six and six, five and seven year because there were, that means we we're a little competitive. And, and before that, you know, nobody, nobody could, nobody was even there. Nobody David cared. Lee, and now because of Mike Price, you know, we're able to say we don't need to settle for five and seven. We don't need to settle for four and eight. And it's true, we shouldn't. But the only reason we do is because of what Mike Price did. Before that, you you couldn't say the same. But, you know, I just – I guess, you know, maybe our expectations are too high for this team, man. I, I don't even know. I don't even know. With all the injuries, Aaron Jones going, out, Jones going out so early, it's just been frustrating, man. It's been so frustrating. You know what most football fans say around this time of year? Okay. A, high, a 
decent percentage, well, there's always a next year. And that's what we're calling. Well, look, man, look, man, I'm a Cowboy fan, all right? I'm a diehard Cowboy fan. As I've been saying, I don't have a heart. I have a star. All right. Well, with, it, that, with it, that shitty division, you guys are not out of it. So go on with your best. But though. damn, man, you know. So yeah, there is always next year. But oh man, rough year in football. Like I said, man, I just I'm so glad that basketball's here. We're waiting on head coach Tom Herman of the Utah hockey team to to give us a call. We're gonna be talking some Utah hockey. But let's move it up, man. Let's start talking some. Uh, I guess let's start talking some Utah basketball because I'm done with football, man. What do you see this week? Um, I saw a team that could. A game? A game? Yeah, I basically saw two teams play. <laughs> one was obviously better. One uh, probably could have played. Probably could have beat a lot of high teams here by ten. No, no pun to them. I don't but, think they were that bad, man. I mean, they weren't a good team, but I don't think they were that bad. They, you know, I, I'm, I'm comparing it to the the first two exhibition games, and, and those two teams, Cameron, I can't think of the other team, Southeast Central. They at least had one player that I felt could play at any conference USA team. I didn't see that out of them, but what I did saw, I saw three things. I mean, the obvious one, let's get out the way. We've all been talking about it since he signed. Dominic Artis is legit. NAIA, uh, Division II, uh, Coronado High School, Cathedral, whoever he's playing, that kid's going to be good. Two, defensive intensity and focus were just so much better compared to the first two exhibition games, and that is really what got them out to that early lead. They were kind of switching it up with a couple of zones. It looked like a 1-3-1. They went to some some really just aggressive man. That was really great to see, the focus and the intensity of that. And then the third thing that stood out to me is Paul Thomas. Paul Thomas, the game he had, wasn't big scoring, but he did a lot of good things. Six rebounds, had a monster putback with a dunk. You want to see that against these type of schools because this is an exhibition game. Let's just be real. Yeah. It, it's, it don't even – if you go to real-time RPI right now, UTEP's in the 250s and they got a 0-0 and zero record. Yes, it's early for RPI, but I do check. I ain't going to lie. But, you know, it, it, it's a third exhibition game. You did what they're supposed to do. But the big thing – You're the first person I've ever heard admit that it's early for RPI after the first game of the season. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, those are the three things that stood out to me is, is you handled business. You you had some energy. You had some intensity and focus, something that I didn't see out of this team on the defensive end for the first two games. And, and that was really huge. And I think that's something that you can build on not only Saturday coming up against San Marcos, but all week in practice. That's something that, that you can kind of build on. And something that Floyd said um, that really jumped out to me is we have Coach Herman on the line. We'll bring him here in a second. Uh, this, let me spit out this take where he was really impressed with the two days of practice when he was at his funeral with Coach Johnson. He felt that really changed the tide as far as what they were doing on defense. But we'll get into that here in a little bit. That was a big uh, takeaway that I got from the press conference. But Right now we're going to throw a little curveball at you. We're going to talk some UTEP hockey with men's head coach Tom Herman. How you doing, Coach? Doing good. Yourself? We're doing all right, Coach. So, uh, you know, I guess it, it, it kind of hit us by surprise this year. I mean, I definitely have heard a little bit about the hockey team, but it, it came up out of nowhere, and, and especially for a town like El Paso that's really not used to a lot of hockey. I mean, obviously we had the Rhinos and had the Rhinos for some for some time, but, you know, most most people didn't really even realize that UTEP was, was leaning into getting the hockey team or that they were now competing. And I, I know that it's considered a club team, but tell us a little bit about it, Coach. What, what division are you all competing at, and, and how's that going for you all? Uh, thanks for having me on first off. And, um, no, I mean, it, it, it's been going great so far. Um, you know, we started talking about the team with, with some of the old rhinos, um, that were graduating from the rhinos and, 
you know, they're looking at different colleges to go play and, you know, they really enjoy their time, you know, living in El Paso and, and, you know, just researching certain schools and stuff, you know, El Paso really, and UTEP really, you know, stuck in their minds. And, and, uh, one of our former rhinos, Mike Rivera, um, you know, local El Paso kid, uh, went through our youth program and a rhino program and ended up going to, uh, UTEP for a while. And, he ended up going to uh, Central Oklahoma uh, playing for their club team and actually won a national championship and, and was the playoff MVP last year. And that's kind of where it was like, man, we got to do this. Um, so, you know, the, the, the local players and the, the graduating Rhinos, you know, really uh, took the reins and, and uh, got this launched off the ground. Now, what does it mean to exactly to be a club team? Obviously, you guys don't compete at the NCAA level. So, what exactly does it mean to be a club team? So, the the, the team student run. Uh, we have a, a student government, an advisory board. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough that they asked me to to help out at, uh, as far as a coaching standpoint go. So, um, but uh, we compete in the ACHA, which which is the American Collegiate Hockey Association. Um, you know, it, it's ran almost exactly like the uh, NCAA. We actually follow NCAA rules, um, but for the most part, it, it's the it's kind of the same thing, um, but just not under the NCAA. Um, hockey's always kind of been a different sport, you know, with just like the Rhinos. It's called the Junior League, and that's really the only sport that has a has a Junior League. And and uh, you know, with hockey. Um, you know, for ACHA, there's over 400 teams nationwide. So it's it's really big, actually. It's just, you know, something that um, is a little bit different than, than most club sports at different schools. As most of Paso uh, sports fans know, the, the great success that you've had in, in that Rhinos program and not only winning, but, you know, helping, giving kids that, that opportunity to, to fulfill their dreams in, in their sport. But how many, how much of the principles that you ran that program are you instilling into the UTEP hockey program that 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 you we're going to see as identities as this thing gets on the ground and gets rolling in the next couple of years? Well, that, that's really the the foundation of the program. Really, you know, our, uh, you know, work ethic and commitment, and and um, you know, everything that is part of the Rhinos that we're trying to instill in the the players because you know, there's a certain level of professionalism. You know, we want them representing you know, the, the program and UTEP with, and, um, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, personally, you know, we, I thought it was just the right time for, for these, these students to, to kick it off. And is really something, uh, you know, I've become passionate about and, um, you know, really something that I try to explain to them, like if they were going to put in the time and effort, you know, it was going to be a, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of time that they're going to have to put in and just, you know, the fact that like, we're not going to do this, you know, just, just for fun. Like this is going to be something that, you know, they're going to have to really dedicate themselves and, and, you know, put a lot of time and effort into because, you know, uh, El Paso wants a, a winning team and a winning program. And, and, you know, that's something I wanted to be a part of. And, you know, so if it was just going to be a half ass effort, you know, it wasn't going to be, you know, something really acceptable um, on our behalf. So, um, you know, the students have been great. They've they've been, you know, pra- practicing at like sometimes 1030 at night, 11 at night, oh, wow. you know, getting in their school grades in. And, yeah, so, you know, it's just been, there's been a lot of hurdles 
um, this first year, but you know they've been really battling through it and and piecing it all together, and it, it, it's been great so far. What has support been like from the community and the students, and also as far as funding goes, how does that work? I mean, are you all do you all fall under the uh, athletics department, or are you more of a student-run organization that that's funded by the students? It, it's funded by the students. We we fall under the rec sports uh, department. Um, uh, but as far as the, um, you know, so it, it's all student funded and, you know, so whatever they can, you know, raise through, uh, different types of fundraisers or, um, uh, sponsors, um, you know, other than that, it, it's, you know, their responsibility. So, you know, they've been doing a good job, uh, on that end, but, um, the community sports been, been fantastic. You know, the, the first set of games, we were really sure what to expect and, um, you know, it, it was great to see, you know, a near capacity crowd and, and really cheering on the, the team and, um, uh, you know, a lot of fans that I've never seen around the rink, but, you know, wearing the, wearing the UTEP colors and, 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 uh, cheering them on. So it was, it was awesome. Um, and, and it's just gotten better. Um, every game we've had more fans and, you know, reaching that sellout point and, um, you know, it, it it's just been great. One question that we have from a loyal follower, and, and uh, I think it might be something that a lot of people are thinking about, is is what are the chances that this could potentially turn into an actual NCAA team in the future? Well, you know, the, it it would be nice to just be able to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that would have to happen, um, you know, just from a program standpoint, you know, just – just continuing to grow and, and having success, but you know it's just it's just not that easy to say, hey, we want to be NCAA. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that have to happen, you know, at UTEP and the school and with the athletic department. But you know, it, it's obviously something you know we've kind of thrown around it and, and you know kind of a you know big big dream, uh, big picture kind of thing. But um, right now, again, we just want to make sure you know we're we're putting a good product on the ice and you know providing. Um, you know, a good, a good sport and good foundation and team for, for the students, student athletes to be part of. Of course, we're talking to UTEP hockey coach, Tom Herman. You can find out more about UTEP hockey at minorshockey.com this week. Coach, you all be taking on Texas state. What can we expect from those games? Uh, they, we opened up against them. Um, uh, our first road trip and, uh, they're a pretty solid team. Um, you know, they move the puck well, they skate well. And, uh, they handed our uh, us our first loss of the season. They, they also uh, got us our first win of the season. So um, you know it, it's it's felt like you know quite a while since we played them. So it should be um, pretty exciting to see how much uh, both teams is growing at this point. And um, you know I think it's going to be pretty exciting for the the fans to come out and watch. And uh, you know hopefully hopefully we find some success. Coach, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, good luck the rest of the year. Congratulations on the short success you've had with the UTEP Hockey Program. Stay uh, stay healthy and good luck the rest of the campaign. So that's uh, that's interesting, bro. I mean, I'm not I'm not a I'm, 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 I'm not a hockey guy, but disconnected there. But thanks again, Coach, for for joining us. And um, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, there's, there's there's not a huge you know demographic or population of people that that follow hockey real closely in El Paso. I would think. But there definitely are some people that are fired up about the program, you know, and and, and that's cool. I mean, I definitely got to get out there and, and, and see what these guys got. And maybe 
we'll be able to start covering them a little more. But uh, we're around the same ages. You remember going to buzzer games back in the day at the county barn? I did go. Those were twice. fun, dude. I, I don't know why I always remember though. I remember going to those games. Those were pretty fun. They had the strails up. He was on the on the mic. That was cool. But good to see. It. I mean, that'd be cool to see an NCAA game. Uh, or an NCAA I know it would take a lot with Title IX and, and whatnot, but that would be cool to see an NCAA hockey team in the desert southwest. But uh, we're, before we had Herman on, you know, we were talking a little UTEP basketball, and I gave my take of what I thought. So, you know, you've seen two two uh, two exhibitions. You know, we're not – can't really call that. I mean, it, it's just technically a season opener, but we – I mean, this is an exhibition. This is what, it was an exhibition for them. So, what were your takeaways uh, from, the, from the minors, quote-unquote, season opener last Saturday? Um, well, the biggest thing is the rebounding. That's something that we hadn't seen, even in those exhibition games, we hadn't seen them didn't do very well on the glass. And, uh, I don't have the, the numbers right in front of me. It'd take me a second to come it like up with them, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And that's kind of refreshing. Now, granted, you know, Loyola didn't have anybody above, I believe, 6'8". Eight. Eight. Yeah. Um, no, their center, starting center was 6'8". So, you know, you win you win 56-29 on the glass, so it, it's not the biggest win, but you do like to see you, – by doing that, you're showing that you're showing – you have more intensity. That and was, that's the biggest thing. Yep. Um, you know, when you see a guy like Lee Moore in, in your exhibition finish with 15 rebounds, that's great, but that's not what you want to see on a regular basis. Not that you don't want to see him have 15 rebounds. Great. If he can do that, awesome. But you want to see your bigs kind of come up with a lot of rebounds for you. And just as a team, you want to, you want to see better rebounding as a team. And I think you did see that. You saw it a lot more evenly spread out throughout the team. And, and another good thing, you know, Hooper Vint. Hooper Vint, we've seen what he's done at times. We saw what he did in the orange and white scrimmage, you know, going for 847 points and 268 <laughs> rebounds. You know what I mean? And then and then we've seen him kind of fall off in the season because he's done that the last two years. But, you know, even though, again, it's only Loyola, it's not, you know, the toughest team. They didn't have a lot of size. But to see him stay aggressive, and you can see he, he was more determined to finish at the rim, to kind of make some plays and show people that he's better than what he did in those first two exhibitions. I got audio of him talking about that. Too. And, <laughs> and, you know, that's great to see because we're going to need that out of him yep. because we're not deep at our big. And if he can come up with 15 points, six rebounds, that's huge for this team because we know where we're going to get out of our guards. So we need guys like Cooper Vint to step up. That was another thing. Um, uh, Matt Wilms, even though he only played 13 minutes, it seemed like a lot more. It seemed like he played a lot more minutes. Uh, I really, when I was leaving the game. in the first half. And maybe in the first, to me, yeah. because he had two shifts in the first half. Maybe that that's what it was. Team. But, you know, when I was leaving the game, I was under the impression he was up around 20 minutes. And I was thinking, you know, man, I didn't think they'd play him that much because it was Loyola. Yeah. And then when I saw the actual stat line, I'm like, oh, it was only 13 minutes. But you know what? You know, production out of him, six points, four rebounds. Great to see him, you know, getting in there because you know he wants to be in there. Yeah. You know, so if we can get, get some free throws, though. Man. Yeah, if we can get some production out of him, that be, that's that's going to be great. Obviously, Hooper Vent and the rebounding, those are the biggest things. But another thing is anytime you go out and you shoot 47 times from the free throw line, you better. And, and, and that's the third time this year that they've shot over 30 free throws in, in the game, you know. And like we mentioned, of course, going back into the next exhibition game, you don't want to look too much in the stats. But that's 
that is showing how aggressive these guards are going to be. That shows how they're going to be able to get into this, get into the paint and create havoc and, and make teams foul them and make them put on the line. And, and you know, you look at some of these free throw numbers: Artist six of nine, Lee Moore seven of eight, uh, Hooper Vent five of six. Roger Jones hit two of two. Caldwell got to the free throw line four times. Touchet got to the, th- the free throw line three times. And even Vinegas got into the, th- uh, the free throw line twice. So th- you're, you're seeing this type of aggressive offense that we haven't seen. It's not really stagnant. Guys are attacking. And Floyd is understanding the new rules in college basketball with all these little touches fouls that you can use that to your advantage when you have guards like we do to get into that lane. We haven't had that in whatever. We've seen like a broken record again, but that's going to be a big thing with this team to possibly overcome some deficiencies they may have in protecting that paint. I'm watching UAB last night and watching a guy like Tosh and, 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 and a lead, their six, nine freshman or he's sophomore now. And it goes back to that point where you're going to need guys like Hooper to do those little things and, you know, the little dirty things in the paint. But at the same time, if you're able to get to the line and, and get run out and be aggressive and live at the free throw line, that could be your meal ticket come conference play. And those are the little things I think we're going to see this team kind of, uh, you know, build as an identity going forward. Now, the biggest thing, and somebody pointed this out on, on my, it was either minor rush or minor digs. And this was a very valid point because, Floyd went 11 deep. Now, you take out Venegas, they go 10 deep. But you have basically another five on, on the bench. I mean – And then we and then we haven't even seen when Urban exactly. Morris or Omega. And that's what I'm saying. When you have those extra five guys that we haven't seen, and we talked about it early in the year, and you didn't think that he was going to go deep. I kind of was on the fence about whether he was going to go deep. Do you see that? No. You still don't see that? You still don't, don't feel – I even, just don't. You know, okay, you, so okay, so my next question is who's at, gonna get cut? Well, you look at Venegas. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's he, obvious, he's yeah. first. He's first. He can still get a red shirt. But you know, I it's hard for me to say that that Thomas and and Broderick Jones are gonna be in that mix of right now. Cuts. If you pick one, it would be Paul Thomas, right? Because Broderick's a couple probably, a little bit behind. Probably him. now, does he get a red shirt? I don't know. You know, the other thing is, what what do you consider in the rotation? I mean, is spelling guy a guy for eight to ten minutes, twelve minutes? Is that part of the rotation? Because to me, being in the rotation is is playing significant minutes, twenty, 20 minutes, twenty five. Right. You know, so I think I think some of these younger guys, you know, Touchette might come in for eight or ten minutes a game, and uh, I think you know even Flaggart might only play you know ten, twelve, fifteen minutes a game. You know, Broderick Jones and and Thomas at this point, I think they'll they'll see. 15 to 20, 25 minutes a game, just depending on the situation. But a lot of these younger guys, I think, is where you're going to see the minutes cut. It's not to say they're not going to play. Chances are they will. You know, Touchette's already redshirted, so he's he's not going to. And they've already kind of said he's got to play, but he only played 11 minutes. Same thing with Flagger. Now, McSwiggin, maybe McSwiggin isn't the guy that we thought, or not not that he's not the guy. Maybe he's not going to come in immediately and be the guy that we thought. You know, so that that's another thing to consider. I mean, McSwiggin, you know, well, the talking about – have been high on him. They have that, been that, high that's on That's where it's kind of like – But, uh, you know, uh, did the eligibility situation get straightened out? That I haven't heard no, anything that about we, that. I, tomorrow, you know, obviously, there's, there's still the knee issue. Like, how serious was that knee scope? Is it still bothering him? Is that going to linger? He still hasn't had contact you know, practice. Exactly. So, so you just don't know. I mean, maybe they just take it easy on him because especially once guys like Urban Morris come back, you know, Omega Harris, and you start really shifting – Think about think about those lineups that you're gonna have when Omega Harris and Urban Morris are back. You know, you don't have room for Trey Touchette. You don't have room for Jake Flagger. You don't and have Machu. room for for, for a Mick Wiggins. 
So it, it's just, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but I don't see them trying to get, you know, 11, 12 guys significant minutes. I just don't see it. And I think it's going to be game by game at times. You know, you might have Touche and he's hot. He has two, three, four threes, and all of a sudden he's getting a little extra time. You know what I mean? That may be the case for Flagger. You know, I, I think it's going to be on a game by game basis, yeah, but I think I'm when it really settles too. in, you're going to have eight and, and nine guys max. I just don't see you going deeper than nine as far as playing significant minutes. It's going to be interesting. I mean, that's a big deal, deal to watch. I mean, that that was a really legit question somebody posed. And just, you know, the, the, there's so many variables. Like I said, it could be game to game. Touchette comes in, hits a couple of threes. Roger Jones grabs three or four rebounds and makes a nice stop, then goes and gets, a, you know, gets an easy layup off of the – there's so many variables that this team can, can – you can just see develop, and it's really, really going to be interesting to see how, you know, Floyd is able to shape it. They've had plenty of time to do that. So coming up this week, Texas State, 735 start. Uh, Texas State demolished UT Tyler yesterday. I mean, that that's another kind of a game where you the can't even – I think they're – little bit higher than a high school, but you're in the same, you're in the, you're in the ballpark there, buddy. But yeah, I mean, that is going to be, I don't know much about Texas state though. Who do they return? I mean, is, 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 is this a team I, you should be looking out for? I really haven't done my homework, my due diligence for that Damn podcast. Alex? So we're going to have to go. To That's why you're trying to, you're trying to move on, huh? You're like, we play Texas state, <laughs> uh, go to the game, to the cheer, game. stand for defense. No, but you know what, man? Well, what I was reading on Twitter yesterday from some – I was following a couple of their guys following along in the game is that they, they've instilled a new motion offense, and they've talked about – a lot of the people on Twitter from Texas State side were saying that their offense is more efficient, it's more free-flowing than it's been in, the, in a while. And that's something that East Central ran and that really kind of struggled with for four or five possessions where every they had so much movement on that cut was the last worry and that cutter was that last word and that last word because he got an easy layup so I think being able to, to bring that same intensity and, and we talk about the intensity that led to 21 turnovers and 22 uh 21 28 points off turnovers and 21 forced turnovers if they're able to do that against a team like like Texas State and use their athleticism and disrupt that motion offense and stay in front of their guy that's really going to be the key and then the main thing like you said rebounding you know, that's, that is going to be this team's Achilles heel, whatever you want to call it. You know, it is going to be their rebounding. And, and you know, Anthony's pulling up uh, – at least look at their roster to see what kind of size they have. That's going to be, a, you know, a key. But, it, I mean, it's it's going to be a, one of those games where you kind of expect – You got a sophomore, Austin Evans, uh, forward at 6'11". But other than that, everybody's 6'7", 6'8", at the, at the tallest. And really, you got 1'6'8", 1'6'11". And and pretty much other than that, you don't have anything. And, and I think, uh, you know, in this first game against Texas Tyler, the, the 6'11 kid didn't even play a whole lot of minutes. So that's one thing. It's another team that's not going to be uh, very big, so they shouldn't pose a whole ton of threat on the glass for the Miners. But um, still still a team that, that uh, you know, we don't really know too much about. And, and with our own, schedule, team, <laughs> our own team, we don't know a whole lot about. And that's kind of scary. You know, you come in game like this, Texas State, obviously, even though they're playing UT Tyler, I mean, we didn't really play anybody either, but UT Tyler, they're coming off that big win for them as far as, you know, margin of victory, and so they're coming in with some confidence, thinking, hey, we could we could hang with this team, and, you know, we saw it again in the first exhibition, or the second exhibition, right, second was it, where they were, it was a two-point game with five minutes mm-hmm. ago, and granted, you know, your, your, your game planning for that's a little different, you know, you're not really trying to win so much, you know, it's not really about winning or losing, but, 
either way, you know, you saw a team hang with the minors. They weren't able to, to, to gain any advantage on the glass. And you kind of do that with a team like Texas State, and, and you may find yourself in a tight one down the stretch, and a couple balls bounce the other way, and all of a sudden you lose the first game against Texas State two games in the season. So, you know, not a whole lot that we can really say about this team right now, but um, just got to gotta come out ready to play every single game. This is This is a season where we just – we don't have any any opportunity, any room for error. Nope. You know, there's no margin for error. It's just you got to come out ready to play. It's not the strongest schedule, but that's that's even more of a reason to come out and play every single game, take care of business, and and then take care of your opportunities. Like your, you know, if you get where we get Southern Illinois, if you get Colorado State, you know, your Washington State, New Mexico State, you got to take care of those if you want any opportunity to play some postseason basketball this year. But um, one one question, real quick, that uh, Lutep posed, Lutep Minor, of course, loyal follower. Uh, he asked if we see Jake starting on a consistent basis. Honestly, I don't. I mean, especially even with, even with Irvin coming back, you don't think that Floyd will stick to his guns to make those guys earn that back? How long do you wait? That's and that, and that's another thing too because this, you know, this, this suspension is based off the school where they could have brought these kids back. So that's a big question: How long are you going to wait to first of all bring them back and Look, then insert me, those guys? To me, to me, this is the kind of of, of slap on the wrist suspension that you sit a guy when you know it doesn't mean anything to your to your program because you know you're not going to lose. You know, you're playing Loyola. You're playing Texas State. So it, it, it's not like you're sitting him in the thick of the conference race, you know, trying to Corpus perform. tournament. You know, and, and so I, I just, you know, when he's back, he served his time. I, I don't see him being held out of the starting lineup. Maybe a game. I mean, maybe a game, two games. But really, how long are you going to go with that kind of talent on the bench? Honestly, it's do or die for Coach Floyd. He's not going to take much risk. So will will Jake start a game or two? Maybe, but I, I just long term the rest of the year. I don't. I, it's Irvin's spot. But he's going to. Well, Jake's going to play though. Jake, Jake would be when we were talking about who's going to be get those minutes cut. I think Jake is on that plus side where Jake will continue to get those fifteen. 25 minutes, like you mentioned, if he's hot, if he's hitting. I don't hitting, know, man. I don't know. You don't think? I, you know, I, because I see a lot so of these. Who, who would be your first guard off the Okay, well, first of all, let's talk once Omega's back. Okay. Okay, so so early in the season, yeah, you're going to see a lot of things, guys thrown in there. But once you really get your lineup set, midway through the year, Omega's back. Okay, you're going to have Omega coming off the bench. But your first two guys up, Lee Moore and Dominic, right? And then and then Irvin at the three, Okay. So you got those three guys set. Now, let's say Omega comes off the bench. Well, that's going to take out, you know, you're probably going to leave in Irvin, but you can always slide down Lee Moore. So you could take out, you could put in Omega, right, slide him down to the two, maybe even put Dominic at the two. I think you'd probably keep Dominic at the, the point yeah. guard because he's the true point yeah. guard. But, you know, the, with the type of player that Omega is, you could, you could insert him into the two and move Lee Moore. Three, especially with how aggressive he plays, getting rebounds and whatnot. So now you've got an extra three with Lee Moore, and you can have Omega Harris. You know, if teams are small, you can have Omega Harris, Dominic Artis, and Lee Moore in the game at the same time. And I think you're going to start seeing lineups like that to get to keep your best players in the game. You're going to see little lineups like that come up, and that in turn is going to affect Jake's minutes. I think is he going to play? You know. I would say for Jake, on average, probably 12 to 15 minutes a game. That's what that's what I'm going to guess. And more than anything, it's because we haven't really seen a whole lot from him yeah. so far. And if that continues, like he, he he's not playing bad, 
but he he hasn't really shown much. He's not showing up in the box score. Where, yeah, where, you, and, where in his spot he sort of needs to. He's, he's kind of that that wild card that could come out and bring you some production. And now that's true. To, for what it's worth, I kept track of of just the first rotations and the first ro- the first guy off the bench was Paul Thomas for Williams. We haven't even talked about Caldwell, man. Yeah, it, 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 that's we what I wanted to get to because you got Paul Thomas that came in for Williams. Uh, uh, Vince slides down to the five and Paul Thomas plays a four. Um, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah uh, and then the second guy <laughs> off the bench was Caldwell, came in for Flaggart, and then Buddha came in for Vint later. Touchette was the last one to come off the floor for artists. I just been try- I've been keeeping this every game just to kind of get that type of feel. And I just, <laughs> you're right. What are you gonna do with a guy like Caldwell who's who's been he's, he's been up. productive. He's, he's been more productive than Jake. And, and like I've been mentioning, I keep saying it over and over again. <laughs> Yeah, I've been saying, oh, he's our best power forward Caldwell right now, and that's not good to have at least at this point in the season. But, I mean, it's really – there's just so much with this team, so much to figure out in the next couple of weeks where, you know, we're, we're definitely going to find out with both. Um, and you know, but you know what? There's just it, – it, it goes back to the initial, initial conversation about, you know, how many people you're going to have in the rotation – and then you start trying to figure out who you're going to cut, and it, it it's got to be it's it's tough. It's really tough, but it's got to be those younger guys. Yeah. Because Caldwell's a senior, man. He's and he's, and, and he's, he's got to play. He's proven yeah. it. He he came off the bench when you had all your injuries a couple years ago, and he got to play some minutes. And then last year he he, he had a little expanded role, but this year he's starting out the season with a lot of confidence, and he's playing like he belongs on this yeah. court at this level. And so you're not going to be able to hold him on the bench. So that's a guy that's going to get minutes. That again will take away from some of these younger kids, but um, it's crazy day, man. Yeah, I'm crazy like, day. Yeah, I can't wait to get home. But <laughs> right now, I'm about to actually head up to the Utah women's basketball game. They got Northern Arizona. They look real impressive in their opening uh, in their opening season. Win. Kind of the same thing that we've been talking about. We touched on them a couple times on a previous show. Athletic, deep, they can score. It's just gonna when they play those top level teams in Conference USA, that's really where it's gonna where we're gonna find out. Not only that, what but do you think about the uh, the four quarters that, that they've gone to? In women's I like it. I, I like it. I think the men should adapt it, and the reason why is because they have that NBA rule with the five timeout or the five fouls, and we're seeing so many damn fouls in college basketball. If you've been watching the you know the twenty four hour marathon, and if you've watched two of UTEP or three of UTEP's exhibition games, you know it, 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 these games are dragging along. These 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 Four quarters with that rule at the end, I think, is what college basketball, men's college basketball needs instead of calling all these touchdowns. But I like it. I, I really like it. I think it's it's definitely different, and it, it, it throws a different angle because now, you know, in certain situations, I haven't even asked Keita about this, but, you know, you're going to have, like, the NBA where they have those last-second plays, you know, the end-of-quarter plays, those little bit more wrinkles, those little bit more advantages in certain games, in my opinion, where you can swing that momentum off of a – a third quarter buzzer beater, you know what I mean? Instead of just at the 10 minute mark tie game, you know, just, just little yeah. things that can kind of change it. But I like it because like I said, the main thing is those fouls. You don't see these games getting dragged out, you know, in, in the first seven minutes where sometimes in these college basketball games that we've seen, you're going to get five fouls within the first three minutes of the game. And then you're already shooting free throws before the 10 minute mark and the your double bonus. So I, I think it's, it, it's something that, I hope college basketball is, is going to kind of men's college basketball kind of looks for too. It's not a bad idea. I definitely think they will adopt it at some point. It'll, it'll probably yeah, take yeah. a few years. The, the, the women's basketball is, is kind of a trial run, I think, with the timing, you know. But um, 
I mean, it's interesting. I, I actually, I like the two halves. You know what I mean? It's just classic. It's yeah. Just, it just, it's college. So it's, used to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, it will probably be saying the same thing in 20 years when it's four quarters. You'll yeah. be like, why do we ever play two I just halves? think the fouls, the way that they're calling, I think that adds something And I work. think that's something that's got to change, yeah. man. Because, you know, you got to let the kids play, especially for a team like Utah. If you start getting into conference play and, and, and you're getting all these fouls calling and you start seeing your, your stars going to the bench, that's going to be tough for an aggressive defensive team like Utah. Oh. But at the same time, in our situation where we're at, we're not big, we're going to have to take advantage of those calls on the and offensive drive, end. And that's drive, what we're seeing. Drive, that's drive. What we're seeing. And we've got guys that can do it. When you talk about Dominic Artis, Lee Moore, Omega Harris, Urban Moore, all these guys, you know, they're slashers. They they can they can drive. They can they can cut. They can. I mean, and they can shoot free throws. And they can, well, <laughs> well, well, what we've seen yeah, so far. So far, we'll, so we'll far. see when we'll see. We still got months ahead of us of Utah basketball. But. Anyway, it's been another uh, good show. A lot that we that we got covered. We talked Utah football. If y'all missed it, Garrett Simpson left the program. Um, Utah make, sure you tune in, make sure you tune in to the uh, re- podcast replay tomorrow so you can hear all we had to say about that. Uh, UTEP hockey we covered. Um, men's and women's basketball. Women's a little bit, but we're going to be at the game in a second covering that. And, uh, of course, a couple more games left in this UTEP football season, man. Um, we'll see how it goes. They still got an outside chance at making a bowl game. About as, about as good a chance as, as my Cowboys have of making the play. And outside like down that hill right there by that park by your crib, bro. I hope I get to you. Y'all want to get in touch with us, minorrush.com, at sbnminorrush, at gmail.com, um, at sbnminorrush on Twitter, facebook.com, slash minorrush, where the conversation is always going on. And uh, any comments, questions, concerns, you want to help us out, you all want to write for Minor Rush, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Uh, Appreciate all the feedback, and we're always looking for for more uh, conversation about UTEP sports. But it's been another good show. Hope you all enjoyed it. Until next time. And if you use getting rolled by Warner in basketball for whatever it's worth to end out the show. Hey, it's a Warner. It's a who? It's a Warner dog. Oh, I'm not. USA is going to be a horrible match. This is a high school. Wow. Oh, he's seven, isn't he? Wow.